Welcome to the Rainsville Educational Podcast. This podcast is used to help train and equip believers to become disciple makers to serve God's kingdom through the local church. Enjoy this next session as we talk about this week's spiritual rep. Welcome back to another week here on The Rep. I hope you guys are well, and let's dive into this. Let's change the discussion a little bit this week and move towards actually identifying some persons. Uh, I think my idea is to identify people and to talk about their characters in the storyline of Scripture, and maybe if we have some time uh, to discuss a few people that have been Uh, exceedingly used in the history of the church and so for the next few weeks instead of asking what is let's begin to ask the question of who is now I choose the word that I'm going to be looking at today because a few Sundays ago brother David mentioned this person in his sermon I've always been intrigued by this biblical character primarily because he seems to have great theological clout about his name and uh, yet he really only gets like two places in the Bible. Uh, When you consider just how small the actual amount of teaching about him is, it's kind of fascinating how greatly used he is uh, in the theological development of the New Testament. So he's mentioned once in Genesis 14 and then in a lengthier section in Hebrews. Uh, It's an interesting three verses from the Old Testament, and the preacher in Hebrews uses those verses to teach the supremacy of Christ as high priest over the Old Testament Levitical priest. And so, all right, you're probably wondering who I'm talking about. So let's dive into this. Who is Melchizedek? Let's look at the Old Testament text first, and then the New Testament passage, and see if we can draw a few conclusions. So Genesis 14, verses 17 through 20, says this. After his return from the defeat of Shedor Lamar and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheva, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave to him a tenth of everything. So here I think I can count five things that you can learn about the person of Melchizedek based on what we've just read in Genesis. The first is that he was king of Salem, which may be historically the predecessor to Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem, Salem, you see the similarity there, possibly, but it, but this text doesn't explicitly make that claim. So wherever Salem is, Melchizedek is apparently king of it. Number two, he was also a priest of the Most High God. King-priest, if you don't know, is a unique combination uh, that is different from any other Old Testament priest uh, and high priest and that's kind of the argument that Hebrews draws out and we'll see that in a minute but uh, number three in lieu of priestly duties Melchizedek blessed Abraham so I'm just kind of reading basically what we've read from the text here Uh, number four Abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek a tithe that was 
gained from the spoils of the victory of the War of Kings, which Abraham had just completed in the earlier part of Genesis. If you don't know the context, that's where he goes and rescues Lot. Uh, silly Lot had got himself in quite the pickle yet again, and Abraham uh, goes and rescues him and the spoils from that. He gives a tithe to Melchizedek from that. Uh, number five, the last thing that I think is just directly, um, well, this may not be so directly obvious. Uh, the Hebrew actually is pretty revealing here. Uh, Melech is the Hebrew word for king, and Tzedek is the Hebrew word for righteousness. Now, if you put those two words together, sounds very similar to Melchizedek, right? Melech, Zedek, Melchizedek. You can kind of hear uh, the similarity there. Now, that may be some cool facts for you, uh, but what does that mean in the larger narrative of Scripture? Who is this guy, Melchizedek, who shows up mysteriously in Genesis 14 and never gets mentioned again in the Old Testament? The Hebrews preacher, uh, after scolding his audience for their dullness of heart does go on to give a lengthy explanation that really spans all of chapter 7 in Hebrews and actually carries some theological implications forward even as far as through chapters 9 and 10. All that to say Melchizedek becomes a central argument for the preacher of Hebrews. Uh, and what is that argument? And so let's look at Hebrews chapter 7 verses 1 through 3 which is where it's not the first time that the Hebrews preacher has mentioned Melchizedek, um, but it's really the first time that he begins to offer his theological explanation uh, for why uh, Melchizedek is such an important character. So let me read this, verses 1 through 3. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He is first, by translation of his name, King of Righteousness, and then he is also King of Salem, that is, King of Peace. So we're just reiterating what we've already said from Genesis 14. Uh, verse 3, though, takes it a step further. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. All right. So in this passage, the Hebrews preacher begins to point out some interesting, uh, really one interesting thing about Melchizedek that we probably didn't discern from Genesis 14. Uh, as you know and you heard, he rehearses the known facts from Genesis. He even goes as far as translating his name as King of Righteousness, which we did as well. And then he makes an astounding observation in verse 3. <laughs> That observation is simply put that since nothing about Melchizedek's beginning, right, so since nothing about his birth is ever recorded, uh, nor is anything about his death ever recorded as far as the storyline of Scripture is concerned. As far as Scripture is concerned, Melchizedek's story never ended. He never had a beginning. He never had an end. He just shows up, and he's there. Now, this is where the preacher points us to Christ, because at the end of that, verse 3, you, you probably picked up on it. He says something really interesting. Uh, he says, He is without father or mother of genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. But, what does that mean? He tells us, but resembling the Son of God, talking about Christ, he continues a priest forever. 
So we know from the outset here that the eternality of Christ, his foreverness, if you want a, a common word there, is, is kind of in view here, and he's tying it to the office of Christ as a high priest under the new covenant. But how does that impact me? Uh, wh- what does that mean for me? And so later on in verses 23 and 24, the preacher observes that in contrast to the Levitical priest, who were many in number because they all eventually died, let me, let me just read that to you, Hebrews 7, verses 23. So kind of at the end of this chapter now, after the argument's been drawn out, he kind of reaches this, uh, this really just astounding conclusion, I think gives us a lot of encouragement. Uh, Hebrews 7, verse 23, the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. So the reason there's so many Levitical priests in the Old Testament is because they're just like you and I. They die at a certain point, and someone fills those shoes. Verse 24, but, so bringing in the contrast here, he holds, talking about Jesus, his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Verse 25 is the conclusion. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So, in contrast to the, in contrast to the Levitical priests, who were many in number because they all eventually died, Jesus being after the order of Melchizedek, in the likeness of Melchizedek, holds his priesthood permanently, and then we read the conclusion in verse 25. And so as a result of Jesus being a high priest, who continues forever, who always lives, he is able to save you to the uttermost because he is always living to make intercession for you. What's that mean? Is that you don't have to worry about a vacancy in the position. You need not worry that a new high priest comes who is not as compassionate as this one. Uh, Jesus is never resigning from office. Uh, He's never leaving the office of high priest under the new covenant. You have no concern that his ability then to make intercession on your behalf before God will ever be exhausted. Because of the resurrection of Christ, him living forever, his intercession for you can never be exhausted. Therefore, he's superior to the Levitical priests of the Old Testament. He continues forever and therefore completely, totally, and to the uttermost, saves his people. There's a lot more we could obviously say here. I I didn't do anything in the in-between part there of Genesis 7, and we didn't draw out the implications from chapter 9 and 10, and we can't in a 10-minute podcast. But uh, let me say this. If you are a person who struggles with an assurance of salvation— Let me strongly encourage you to trace the thoughts being formed here in Hebrews chapter 7 in regards to after the order of Melchizedek and study those implications that are reached in chapter 8 and 9 and even in chapter 10 of the book of Hebrews. I pray that you find assurance there in the word of God. and that it blesses your heart and encourages you in your walk with Christ. And so, anyways, I'm over a minute. I'm out of time. I'll catch you next week on The Rep. Uh, We'll find another person to learn something about. Have a good week. Blessings. (music) 